Come on. Happy Mother's Day, Go Church family. It is a tremendous honor and a joy to see all of you here today. You look fantastic, by the way, and we're so thrilled to be able to worship together on this Mother's Day Sunday. Most of you in the room, you know this, but I want to make sure that you do realize that you're at our South Metro Atlanta campus. This is our broadcast location, and from this room, we have the privilege and the honor to live stream our gatherings to our West Side Atlanta campus and our Germantown, Maryland campus. So whatever location you're a part of today, whatever campus that you're attending today, can we put our hands together? Come on, greet one another as one big family. Come on. Come on, let them hear you on the south side to the west side. Come on, all the way in Maryland and back. We greet all of you and we love you. And then you also know that we have this weekly tradition here at Go Church that before we get into the word together, we always give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military and to those who are considered a first responder. Just our way of saying thank you for putting your life on the line to serve and protect ours. So whatever campus you're at today, if you're in the military currently, you've served in the military, or your job requires you to be a first responder, would you put your hand up real quick? Come on. And once you see these hands go up, come on, can you thank God for these brave men and women? Come on, here we go. Come on, a little bit louder. Thank you. Thank you. God bless all of you. Thank you for your service. And then, of course, today is Mother's Day, and the greatest group in the whole room are the mamas. Come on, ladies. And I want to say to my baby mama, come on, somebody, is how much I love you, how grateful I am for you, not only what you do in our home and for our family, but Go Church, you have an incredible first lady. You have a beautiful spiritual mom here in Kimberly. So we celebrate you today along with all the other moms, all right? Love you, baby. Thank you. Thank you all. Well, happy Mother's Day, moms. It is my honor and privilege to just greet you this morning and tell you that we're so glad that you're here. We're so grateful for the moms that are in our lives, right? We're grateful for all of your hard work. Moms, you are the hardest working people there are. That I believe it true. because Come I am on. one. So I know yes. you do all the things. You keep the family together. You wear all the hats and you deserve a whole day where you're honored, where you're celebrated, and where you know that your church family loves you and your family loves you, and we appreciate you. Can we give it up for our moms one more time? Come on. Well, I know that Mother's Day sometimes has mixed emotions for some of you. Maybe you've lost your mom, or maybe you've lost a child, or maybe you're unable to have kids of your own. Or maybe you're separated from your kids at this season of your life. And we want you to know that whatever you're grieving, we grieve that with you. And we're here for you. And your church family loves you. And we pray that today you feel the hope of Jesus Christ surrounding you by being in this church family. So can we honor those ladies as well? Well, every lady goes home with a free gift today. We have some cute little bracelets that we've had especially made just for you. Some of them say mama if you're in that season of life. Some of them say joy if you're in the grandmama season of life. And then some of them say hope if you are a mama in waiting and you're waiting on your gift from God. So you, as you leave today, you can get the bracelet that fits your season of life. And we would also love for you to stop by one of our photo booths, we have professional photographers out there to take a family photo for you, and we'd love for you to take advantage of that. That's our gift to you. But the biggest treat Come on now. of today All is right. that we have Lisa Turkurst in 
the house Unbelievable. at Go Church. Really awesome. I'm so excited. And listen, what what a word she gave so in that good. first gathering. You're in for a real treat today. You are in for a treat. Lisa is the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries. She has written multiple best-selling books. She is a powerful author, teacher, preacher, leader. She has imp impacted my life personally through her books, through her Bible studies, yeah. and through the way she has taught, even going through some of the hardest pain of her life, being able to watch her and see that, well, if she can do it, I can do it too, right? And so I know some of your stories. I know that she's impacted you from some mom groups that we've had, from small groups, from large women's Bible studies that we've done. I know your stories as well. And so she's a powerful voice in the Christian community. And it's an honor. It's a yes. huge deal that she would be with us on Mother's Day. So go church. We love to give honor where honor is due. So would you stand to your feet and help me welcome Lisa Turkers. Come on. Best, the queen. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you. I said in the first service, and I'll say it again, that um, I really should get a little video clip of that and take it home and show my kids this is what it means to rise up and call her blessed. So thank you. <laughs> to give me that gift on Mother's Day is a real treat. So thank you so much. Um, I think for those of us that are moms and even if you're not a mom, if you're a dad or if you are an influencer over younger people, a mentor, an aunt, whatever, sometimes it's really easy to draw a straight line from this child that we love so much, from a mistake that they make to some sort of weakness in ourselves that we can just really beat ourselves up over. And certainly we all have things that we can improve on. We all have things that we could do better and, and go before the Lord and ask him to challenge us and convict us and, and encourage us in. But I'm the mom of five kids, and then those kids are now grown, and so then they've multiplied. Like they've got spouses, and then they've started having babies. And so it's a whole big group of people. And if I kept doing that, drawing lines from their mistakes to some sort of weakness in me, I could really get down sometimes. But what I've learned is I don't really think that I should draw a straight line from their mistake to a weakness that I have in me. I think because before the beginning of time, God assigned me to be the mom of those kids. And he he equipped me, and he shaped me, and he's guided me. And so I truly feel like the better line to draw is from that child's mistake to some sort of strength that God made sure I had so that I could help this child through all that they are going to face. And I want to encourage you in that this morning. We're going to be in Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. So if you want to open up your Bible, you can turn there. But as we turn here, I want to really encourage you that as I start to read these scriptures, I think you will probably have this feeling if you've read your Bible and read this section of the Bible, oh, no, don't go there. I've read those scriptures so many times. I mean, surely there's nothing new that you're going to teach us from these scriptures. But I think I have a real gift for you. And even if the scriptures are very familiar, I want to show you something that you're probably 
have not seen before in the connection of these scriptures. Several years ago, my kids decided that we needed more adventure in our family. And uh, they, they love thrilling, adventurous things. I am that except the opposite. I like safety. I like predictability. I feel very certain that I could think of more quickly than just about anybody I know every worst case scenario that could ever happen in any way, shape, or form. And it occurs to me in speed time. And so I truly feel like every time they make a suggestion to me, I think to myself, no, because it's my job to save your life. And I have been saving your life for a very long time. So why would we want to, their suggestion was to get certified to go scuba diving. So of course, my first thought when they said this is, why would we want to intentionally go swimming with the sharks that eat people every day? Why would we want to do that? That is a terrible idea. But they were very enthusiastic, and so eventually they talked me into it. And, and things started out okay, because we started out in a classroom. That was awesome. I didn't have to get my hair wet. I have very complicated hair. Getting my hair wet is just not something I want to do, um, except if it's hair washing day. But we were having to take these lessons like day after day after day. So the classroom was fine, but then we graduated into the pool, had to get my hair wet. But I, at least I wasn't afraid in the pool. We learned how to do all the stuff. And then we had to practice in the lake, and the lake went just fine. But then came the day for our first big family dive out in the deep blue ocean. Our dive master is with us. They take the boat out. He gives us last minute instructions. We get out of the boat. We get into the ocean and things are going okay. I have all my gear. I know the lessons. I've memorized all the things. We're floating on top of the water. I'm with all of my people and I just think I can do this. And then the dive master gets in and he says, okay, now remember what you have to do first. You have to let out all the air out of your air vest, which is called a BC. So let all the air out. Then you're going to descend in increments because that's what you have to do when you're going down. And I'll meet you on the ocean floor 30 feet below. And I think, okay, I can do this. I can do this. We practice this. So everyone does exactly as the dive master says. We all let the air out of our air vest. And every one of my people start doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They start descending in increments, but not me. I let all the air out of my air vest and nothing happens. Nothing. I'm just floating on top of the water. And you never want to be the only person floating on top of the water in the middle of the ocean. I've seen movies about this, okay? <laughs> and so I think, okay... No big deal. I don't know what's wrong because this didn't happen in the pool water or the lake water. But, but I, I will swim to my people. I'll just put my head down and just start swimming. But the harder I paddled to try to get down to my people, the more my backside was like a cork drawing me back up to the surface of the water. So eventually the dive master sees what happens, uh, what's happening. So he comes up and he looks at me and he's like, oh, you have buoyancy issues. And I guess I looked at him as if I needed more information because I tilted my head and I thought, huh? And so he said, oh, let me explain it. See, we haven't been in salt water yet. And in salt water, fat floats. No, you didn't. I will cut you. Like, 
you really need to be thankful I did my quiet time with Jesus this morning, you know? So he said, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. I'll go on the boat, I'll get a weight belt, and then we'll attach these weights to you, and, and it'll force you to sink. And I thought, thank you, I've waited all my life for a man to say that to me. Perfect. So he gets on the boat, he hands me a weight belt, and he adds some weight, nothing happens. We add more weight, nothing happens. And all the while, he keeps making commentary like, wow, huh. (laughs) He even said, this is odd. It's like you need as much weight to help you sink as a very large man. Excuse you? You're doing this, and I need you to do this, okay? Finally, we get enough weight on my weight belt where I do start to sink. The problem is I can't stand up straight. I am in V formation. My backside was going to point due north, and it didn't. I, there was nothing we were going to do about it, right? And, and so when I finally get down with my family, I can feel their thoughts. Have you ever been with a group of people, and you can just feel what they're thinking? You know what I'm saying? I could, I could feel them. They were thinking, hey, what's up? mom's backside that's what's up and can I just say no one respects a woman who's just in v formation right just hanging there and so we're all gathered around the dive master signing a few last instructions for us and then we're supposed to get in pairs so I pair with my oldest daughter and suddenly a creature whips through our group And it has a head like this, a fin like this, and it starts swimming around us in circles. Call me crazy. I thought it was a 100%. Oh, yeah. I look at my people, and I'm like, we have got to go up. That thing will eat us, you know? I'm hearing in my head, daddy, shark, do-do-do. You know, you're welcome. You'll hear that in your head all day long. Um, and, and, and they're, they're all looking at me like, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm thinking, yeah, because y'all are so skinny. I'm the chicken nugget down here, right? If, if he's going to choose, it's going to be me. So my life is in danger. Plus I'm not even able to stand up straight. I mean, what? And, and they're fine and I'm not, but I decide, okay, I'm doing this for my kids. Cause we can just do anything for our kids. Like I can push through for my kids. Right. And so I get it under control. The dive master then tells us to go in our pairs to go exploring. My oldest daughter and I, we turned from the group and we had barely gotten away from the group when that creature comes back and rams itself into my daughter's head. Suddenly she is no longer, okay, no, she not, Uh uh-uh. So she jumps on top of me, right? Because all our people think we can save them. And they do. And so she jumps on top of me, causes such a commotion that suddenly my other kids start jumping on top of me. But then I remembered my gift. I ripped off that weight belt and we did rise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I got up on that boat and I'm like, mm, I badonkadonk saved all you people, right? I was so impressed with myself, but the dive master came up and he was not at all impressed. He signaled for us to sit on the edge of the boat, took his finger, and it was like we were in boat timeout. And then he looked at us and he said something I hope I don't ever, ever forget. He said, do you know why you got in trouble down there? Because you took your eyes off the dive master. 
Never take your eyes off the master because the master knows things you don't know. Keep your eyes on the master. Keep your eyes on the master. I've thought about that so many times, especially in the past seven years as my family and I, we've been through a tremendous amount of hardship, heartbreak, and trauma. And there's been so many times where I start to feel like I'm too exhausted to even pray anymore. I'm too exhausted to really believe that something is going to change. I'm I'm so tired and I'm so brokenhearted that sometimes it's just so easy to think. It seems as if God answers prayers for everyone else, but he's not answering our prayers. And I would imagine in a room this size that there are many of you who can relate to that. Here's what I know to be true about all of us. We've either just been through some stuff or we're in the middle of some stuff or about to go through some stuff. And you say, well, that's not a very positive message on Mother's Day. No, I'm positive. We've either just been through some stuff, we're in the middle of some stuff, we're about to go through some stuff, right? So I think the message that I have for you today, I think it's going to apply to all of us. Let's open up and look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, this is Jesus about to give what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is one of the most profound, most recorded, most talked about sermons. And at the very beginning of this sermon, there's this whole section in my Bible labels it the Beatitudes. And I've read these before. And it strikes me every single time how upside down this section that uses the word blessed over and over and over, it seems so upside down because so many of the things that Jesus is about to instruct us that, that blessed is this person, but, but, the, but the person is not living in a situation that seems so obviously blessed. It actually feels quite the opposite. Listen to the scriptures. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hunger, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I have a confession I have to make. I cannot tell you that I have ever had a time where I was being persecuted or or people were insulting me and falsely saying all kinds of evil against me where I suddenly thought I know I need to rejoice and be glad and I dial up my friends and say let's have a party I was persecuted and insulted and people are saying all kinds of false things about me today I just want to rejoice and be glad I can't say that I have ever 
done that. And so when I read these scriptures, there's this little part of me, and I'm not saying this is good, but there's just this little part of me that says, of course Jesus can say this because he's Jesus. But is it really possible for those of us who are living in the grit and grime and hardship and heartbreak of being so very human, is it really possible to go through some part of this and truly feel blessed? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to know a little bit more about the humanity of Jesus. Now, we know Jesus was sinless. We know that he was perfect. We know that he was full divinity. But I want you to hear this from Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It says this, since the children have flesh and blood, who in here has flesh and blood? Raise your hand. I really hope you raised your hand. That would be a very good thing. Okay. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, meaning Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Skip to verse 17 of Hebrews 2. For this reason, he, Jesus, for this reason Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Up until just a few years ago, if you were to ask me, why did Jesus come? I would have gotten half of that right. I would have said Jesus came to make an atonement for the sins of the people. I would not have also said He came to make atonement and so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest. But you see, in order for him to be merciful and really understand what humans go through, what we face, what we feel, the gravity of some of the sorrows that we carry, in order for us to know that we could fully trust Jesus' teaching, we have to know that he's felt the depth of the pain that we're walking in. Otherwise, we will say, of course he can teach us that because he's Jesus, but he doesn't know what it feels like to be me. Now, absolutely, he may not have walked through the same circumstances as you. He didn't walk through the same circumstances as me. But the sorrow underneath those circumstances is so very much the same. You see, that really is what we all have in common as humans. It hurts. It hurts to be human sometimes. It hurts when people betray us. It hurts when people walk away from us. It hurts when people believe something about us that's not true. It, it, it hurts when people say things about us that aren't true. It, it hurts. It hurts when you think you could count on someone and then you find out you can't count on it. It hurts when someone lies to you. It hurts when people hurt you. Now, make no mistake, Jesus was perfect in his divinity. He was sinless, but he was very much sinned against. And in his humanity, he knew what it felt like to be rejected, 
to be beaten, to be lied to, for people to say all kinds of stuff about him and to make wrong assumptions about him and to mock him and to make fun of him and and to walk away from him. And even some of his closest companions at the end, all of his closest companions, where were they? He knows what that feels like. So yes, he was sinless, but he was absolutely sinned against. Just before Jesus went to the cross, I want to read you some words that are direct quotes from Jesus in case you've ever doubted that he has felt the overwhelm of what it sometimes feels like to be so very human. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus has just finished his last supper with the disciples And in Mark 14, verse 32, before he goes to the cross, he goes to this place called Gethsemane. And it says they went, Jesus and his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he, Jesus, began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Verse 34, Jesus says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. There are no words of Jesus that I relate to more than these words in Mark chapter 14. And it honestly kind of shocks me that Jesus said these words. After all, because he's perfect in his divinity, he sees all things, he knows all things. He, with crystal clarity, he can, he can see behind him, he can see in front of him, he can, he can see what's ahead of him. He knows the plan, God has fully revealed it to him. And yet, in the moment of heartbreak, Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You know how it often comes out of my mind, uh, out of my mouth? This is so awful, I think it just might kill me. So I'm shocked. I'm shocked Jesus said it, and I'm so grateful he did. Because this shows us that he very much knows what it feels like to be like us. Therefore, he knows how to how to teach us and to be a faithful and merciful high priest to lead us, to model for us what we are supposed to do. Sometimes I, another confession, when I'm going through something hard, I think if I could just have some answers, if I could just know how long is this going to last, if I could just know why is this happening, if if I could just know with absolute certainty that it's going to turn out okay, if I just had those answers, it would comfort me. And yet I look at Jesus and he had all the answers and his soul was still overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It's not the answers that will comfort us. It's not the answers that will help us. It's keeping our eyes on the Lord. And now, look, let's let's look at another thing that Jesus says here in this same time of prayer. He goes on to say in verse 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. I don't know about you, but this just blows my mind. It blows my mind that Jesus knew the plan 
And in his moment of sorrow, he asks God to change the plan. He says what I will often say. God, everything is possible for you. God, you are so big and strong and mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And I see you answering the prayers for so many people, but why aren't you answering this prayer that I've cried a million tears over? God, everything is possible for you. Don't let this be my life. Don't let this be the way things go. Don't let this be the story. And if you've ever uttered any words like that, take comfort that so did Jesus. And then right behind that statement, Jesus utters what I feel is the key to keeping our eyes on the Lord. Jesus then utters in Mark 14, the last half of verse 36, nine earth-shaking, hell-shattering, demon-quaking words. Jesus says, yet, not what I will, but what you will. In other words, Jesus is modeling for us what we should pray. I'm going to trade my will for thy will, because I'm so confident, God, you will. I'm so confident that you will. And sometimes if our confidence is shaky as we look ahead, because we cannot see how, how God is possibly going to somehow work some of this for good, because it doesn't look good, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't seem good, Instead of, here's another confession, instead of just trying to tell God what he should do, right? We don't want to control God until we do want to tr control God, right? And how it often comes out for me is people will say, Lisa, have you prayed about this? Oh, yes, I've spent so much time praying about this. When in reality, I've only gone to God and made my suggestions about this, about what a good God should surely do. But have I really sat before the Lord? And just said, okay, God, here's all my suggestions. And I'm, I, I'm just going to set it out there because it makes me feel better to get it all out. But now, now, God, I'm just going to say, God, you are good. God, you are good to me. And God, you are good at being God. I don't have to like this. I don't have to want this. I don't even, I, I don't even have to say that I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit in it and be happy about it. No, God, this breaks my heart. But I will trade my will for thy will because I'm so confident you will. I'm so confident, God, that you will. And when I cannot see, when I can't see ahead of me, that's a great time to turn around and go back to those other times in our life where we have seen God be faithful. And we can trace his hand of faithfulness behind us, which will give us confidence for what is ahead of us, right? Just the fact that we're sitting in this room, breathing, listening together today to this message on this day at this time. It's such rich evidence of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. It just is. So it's in light of all of that that now I want to go back and read Matthew chapter 5, Jesus isn't placing another hard teaching on top of our heartbreak with this. Blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you mourn. No. He's giving us a gift if only we'll receive it. 
Now, I used to think that these were separate categories of people. Like, if you right here are poor in spirit, you're going to be blessed. And if you're in mourning, then you're a different category of people and you'll be blessed. And, and then if you are humble or meek, the people in the back, you know, they were so kind. They let all of us sit up front or they ran late. But either way, blessed are you because you're so humble and you're so meek. So I used to think like, oh, these are different categories of people. But as I've walked through what I've walked through in the past seven years, I don't think these are different categories of people. I think what Jesus is revealing to us here are the stages we'll go through in times of brokenness. And I think they're very much connected. And I think that the blessing and the gift that Jesus is giving us is saying to us, you will go through times where you are absolutely brokenhearted and you will mourn, you will cry. That's another thing we all have in common. We all at some point have tear stains on our pillow, don't we? And it's in that moment where we are brokenhearted and when we are in mourning, we're crying, we're hurting because life doesn't look like we thought it should look like. We did A plus B and it did not equal C for us. And it's in those moments where we must make the intentional decision to keep our eyes on the Lord because our life could go in one of two directions. When we're brokenhearted and we're in mourning, we can either turn away from God and say it didn't work or we can press into God and watch him work. And we will all travel one of those two paths. And let me just tell you, I've been teaching the Bible for a long time. I've been loving Jesus for a long time. But some of the things that I've walked through and that my kids have walked through, there have been days, weeks that have gone by where I was just so hurt that I didn't even want to open up the Bible, not at all. And I just thought, God, I'm not only hurt by the person that hurt me. Honestly, God, I'm hurt that you didn't stop it. But you know what I found? Those times where I want to open up the Bible the least is when I actually need to open it up the most. That is true. And it's when I get into his word that he will speak to me. Sometimes I I have people say to me, Lisa, God doesn't speak to me. And I say, just open up his word. He's speaking to us all the time through the scriptures. This is his word. This is him speaking to us. And, And every day... His word will give us what we need that we don't even know what we're going to face today, but his word is the perfect preparation. And if the God of the universe hand-designed our brain to learn, don't you think he especially hand-designed us to get into his word so that his word could get into us? I do think that. And so when we're brokenhearted and we're crying and we're hurting, Will we keep our eyes on the Lord? And if we will, look at what the Lord will do for us. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, poor in spirit doesn't just mean financially hurting. No, poor in spirit, it can be that. But poor in spirit is that person 
who is absolutely exhausted over hurting either emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. It's, it's when you're just so tired of being so tired. You're, you're tired of hurting and you're tired of not understanding. And isn't it true that in that place you're brokenhearted and the brokenhearted, look at what the very next section of scripture says, poor in spirit, then it goes, blessed are those who mourn because that's a natural progression. And in that mourning, if we will keep our eyes on the Lord, look at what else the progression shows us. Blessed is that poor in spirit, brokenhearted person who is in mourning. And then verse 5, it says, blessed are the meek. Now, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is actually a position of beautiful strength. Meek means humble. And I'm convinced God wants every single one of us on our face before him. Because when we are on our face before him, nothing can knock us over. Nothing can knock us over. And there's two pathways to getting on our face before him. It's either the pathway of humiliation or the pathway of humility. One tripped and fell there. The other chose to bow low, but they both wound up on their face before the Lord, right? And so this is a blessing. It, it is a blessing in the midst of the hurting when you are brokenhearted to the point where you are mourning. God is going to do something in you to make your heart even more tender, to make your heart even more aware of your desperate need for him, to make you aware that no human was designed to carry the weight of trying to be their own God. But so many of us work our fingers to the bone and our emotions into a tangled fray trying to do just that. Blessed are you when you have this humility that's been worked in you because of what you've walked through. And so blessed is that brokenhearted person who is in mourning, who's being made more humble. And when you become more humble, you become more hungry. And it's then the next verse says then, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know about you, but for me, I read the scriptures differently when I'm desperate for truth. When, when there's a desperation, it's like, it's like when you're hungry for food, you know, it's like you could, you could if you're full, like if you, if you just had this big spaghetti dinner and then someone offers you an Oreo, you're like, no, thanks, because I just, my stomach's already full, right? But, but if you are desperate, you may not even like Oreos, but if you are so hungry that you're saying, I'm so hungry, I'm just starved, and somebody puts an Oreo in front of you, it's like the best thing that you have ever seen in your entire life, right? And so that's the way it is. When we're brokenhearted and we're in mourning and we are being made more humble, we get more hungry for the truth of God. And then as we get more hungry for we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. The very next thing is then blessed are the merciful because when you're in that place, this is a blessing. You start to see people differently and you're eager to give grace because you recognize your own desperate need for it. And I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I certainly think the world could use a whole lot more merciful people. Blessed is that brokenhearted person. 
who is in mourning. And, and then because they're in mourning, they, they become more humble and then they become more hungry and then they become more merciful. I mean, moms, think about this. I was so judgmental from the point of like, I I am the perfect mom. That was my mindset, right? As I would go through Target and other people, their kids would be losing their mind. And I had all these theories that my child will never act like that. Oh, I will. I mean, I just know, like, my child will never. And I was so prideful until I had humans. Until I, myself, birthed sinners. And I'm telling you, Every thought I ever had judging someone else's motherhood came back on me tenfold. When I was in the Target, I had five of these creatures. And I mean, there's one against five. Y'all, do you know how many people probably looked at me and thought, I will never let my children act like that. It came back on me tenfold, but I am so much more merciful now. I'm so much more grace-filled now. It's like, I just want to go up to that mama and hug her and just say, tell me what you want, honey. Just tell me what you want. You mean to hold them for five minutes, right? Do you, do you want me to just sit with you for five minutes? Do you want me to go buy you a candy bar? You need something right now, and I am your girl. You know what I mean? Because you give grace when you recognize your own desperate need for it. And then look at the very next thing. It says, after blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart. You see, when you've been through some stuff, you realize a whole bunch of stuff in this world, it just doesn't matter. Every morning I pray this prayer. God, I want to see you. God, I want to hear you. God, I want to know you. God, I want to follow hard after you. And God, before my feet even hit the floor today, I say yes to you. I don't even know what I'm saying yes to, but I'm saying yes to you. And then I trade my will for thy will because I'm so confident God will. And I say, God, you are good. God, you are good to me. And God, you are good at being God. And that's the lens through which I'm going to look at my entire day today. And then I get up from that prayer and I recognize I've just invited the divine presence of God Almighty to do life with me. So I ask, God, show me someone today to forgive. Show me someone to bless. And show me rich evidence. Help me see evidence all around me of your goodness and your faithfulness. And God answers that prayer every single day. Every day some fool bumps into my happy and I have to forgive them. Every single day. It's like I'll be in the coffee shop and this dude is just losing his mind because they frappéed his latte and waylaid his whole day. And I'm kind of thinking, dude, I wish that was my worst problem. And, and, and instead now of just letting him get me all grumpy when he turns around and spills coffee on me and bumps into me and acts rude, acts like I peed in his cord flakes. That was not me, sir. I don't know who did, but that was not me. But instead now, oh, I go, oh, you're the person I prayed for this morning. It is really nice to meet you, kind of, sort of. But just because you laid down an offense does not mean I'm going to pick it up and carry it with me and let it ruin my day. No, I already prayed for you. You do you, boo. God is going to have to do something to help you, sir, because it ain't my assignment. And I have already prayed for you. And then, God, show me someone to forgive. Show me someone to bless. And every day, every single day, there is someone that comes across my path that needs a little bit of my time or a little bit of my money or a little bit of my encouragement. And you know, when I make the connection, 
I recognize God sent that person on this day for just this reason. I experience God. And for the briefest moment, I totally forget about my hurt and my heartbreak and my stuff because I'm so mesmerized by what God has done, allowing me to help them. God, show me someone to forgive. Show me someone to bless. And then rich evidence all around me of your goodness and faithfulness. God's goodness and faithfulness is all around us. It's just sometimes we don't attribute it to God. We think we got lucky. We think we got fortunate. No, that's God. That's God that just did that. That's God revealing himself to you so that you can have the courage to keep your eyes on him. And then right behind pure in heart, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. Wow. You know, I used to think that there will come a day when all the circumstances are going to line up, all the people are going to act right, do right, say right, you know. Like for us moms, it's like there will come a day when the circumstances are going to give me peace. It's like everyone will actually wear shoes because they can find their shoes the, the kids are going to rise up and call me blessed. They're going to see all that I've done for them. They're going to be nice. They're not going to fight. They're going to clean up. They are going to offer to rub my feet. I waited for that day for 30 years. I have been mothering people for 30 years. And there's never been a day where everybody at the same time acts right, does right, smells right. And I've been waiting for it for 30 years. You see, we can wait our whole life hoping that circumstances will give us peace, hoping that people will give us peace. But I believe the brokenhearted, they have a different perspective. They realize that Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we know that Jesus' peace is not like the peace that the world tries to give us. Jesus' peace is in us, therefore we must bring it out of us and we have the opportunity to bring that peace into every atmosphere we step into if we want to live in peace we got to bring the peace We've, we can't wait for other people to do it or things to do it. We've got to step into every atmosphere where we walk. And we have to say, I bring the mind of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. I bring the peace of Christ with me. And the peace that comes out of us is the peace that we will live with. And that is what I want. And at this point, don't you just want to go, ta-da! We went from poor in spirit all the way to peacemaker let's just draw a line to end it there and all sing kumbaya but that's not what it says in scripture right behind that is this blessed are the persecuted blessed are you when people insult you blessed are people when people say all kinds of evil against you and then you're going to have your feelings hurt and you're going to go right back up to being poor in spirit crying again right but but here's the thing of course when you go from brokenhearted and you've been made more humble and more merciful and more hungering and thirsting for God and, and you are desperate to see God and you've become more pure hearted and you've become a peacemaker, your light is going to be offensive to other people's darkness. Your healing is going to be offensive to other people's unhealed places. So it should not surprise us that then we will be persecuted and people are going to say ugly stuff about us. But this time we're not going to get lost in the midst of all the pain. 
Because we know when we go right back up to being brokenhearted and mourning, look, we are going to be blessed because God's going to give us more mercy. And God's going to give us more humility. And God's going to help us be hungering and thirsting for him more. And we're going to become more capable of being a peacemaker and giving grace. And we are going to be the kind of people this world actually needs. You see, people don't care to know about our Jesus until they meet the reality of Jesus in our life. And people don't connect with our victories. People don't really connect with those places where we are bad and bougie and we got it all together, right? No, perfection intimidates. It's our brokenheartedness. That's what inspires. That's what inspires. It's our imperfections that people relate to. It's the places where we've hurt and we can encourage them in their hurt because when we have been comforted, God has equipped us to then comfort other people with the same comfort that we have received. You are blessed. You are blessed when you are poor in spirit and broken. You are blessed in those times of mourning. You are blessed when you're being made more humble and meek when you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness and being more merciful, being more pure in heart and being a peacemaker. And yes, even when people criticize you, you are blessed because you are keeping your eyes on the master. And the master knows things you don't know. You can take heart. We never, ever, not one day of our entire life have served a do-nothing God. Our God is always doing something, and whatever he touches is eventually pointing toward a good that only he can do. And we will suffer a lot less when we press into him a lot more. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for the gift of these scriptures. Thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, in full divinity, but also in absolute humanity. So that when he taught us these scriptures that in our humanity feel so upside down because we don't naturally feel blessed when we hurt. We don't naturally feel blessed when we're walking through hardships. But thank you that Jesus walked where we've walked. He hurt like we hurt. And so he's teaching us what to do so that when we hurt and mourn, we don't have to get lost in the process. We can turn to these scriptures and we can find our place in these stages of brokenness and we can see the healing that you are capable of bringing in our life. We're not going to let our troubles make us bitter. Pressing into you, they'll make us better. Indeed, we are blessed. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you.